0: What's the right response, the biblical response, when someone you love has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? You take care of that person? Do you hire someone else to be the caregiver? For Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, the decision was simple. He chose to take care of his wife, Muriel. He realized it was his responsibility, not a responsibility that his children should
1: bear. I've told Marty who's my eldest daughter and who stays with Muriel when I have to leave town. I said, Marty, now, I do not want you to rearrange your life to care for your mother if I die before she does. I've got it fixed so you can put her in a care institution. She said, I'm not going to do it. God put me here to take care of her. And I said, Marty, I really want all of the children to go on with their life, and Mom won't know anything, so just... She said, well, Dad, when you're dead, you won't have any say, will you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll talk today with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin about a Christian's responsibility in providing long-term care for a loved one. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. As uh, we have been reflecting this week on an interview that we actually recorded uh, nine years ago, Dennis, with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, the former president of the Columbia International University and Seminary who stepped down in 1990 to care for his wife Muriel after she had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. I've been thinking about Um, the alcove down the the hall from the studio, Mm -hmm. where we have pictures of Dr. McQuilkin and where we have a lighthouse that stands there uh, to commemorate his sacrificial love for his wife. And we've had the opportunity over the years to honor a number of people who have demonstrated that same kind of sacrificial love and give them an award that bears his name.
2: Right. And that lighthouse, Bob, uh, that's down in the, the hall from here, stands on a 50-pound chunk of polished granite. And we picked out that granite because of its hardness, toughness, weight, and just the sheer mass that it represents because uh, the story we've been listening to uh, all week here is is a story of uh, a light being set on a hill. It's the love of Christ being demonstrated between a husband and his wife when his wife couldn't care for him. Uh, Couldn't speak with him, couldn't connect with him uh, emotionally and spiritually. And, um, you know, we have a lot of privileges here on Family Life today. And and when we get a chance to tell a story that exalts Jesus Christ, that that talks practically about a tough situation where uh, a husband fulfills his promise and his pledge to care for his wife— Uh, Bob, it just doesn't get any better than that, and that's why we created that award for Dr. McQuilkin, and as you mentioned, we've had had a chance to give it to a half a dozen other people and honor them for uh, toughness and their commitment and and really keeping their covenant. That's what marriage is all about.
0: Mm -hmm. We're going to hear part four right now of the interview that we recorded back in 1999 with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, and again, at that time, his wife Muriel was still alive. She went home to be with the Lord in 2003— But it was a real privilege to be able to interact with him about his selfless, sacrificial love for her. We've talked about this all week. We've talked about your decision to step down, to come home, to be the full-time caretaker for your wife. We have folks listening to the broadcast who have made different decisions about care for a loved one, whether it's a husband or a wife, an aging mother or father. They have uh, chosen to bring in professional help or to provide for full-time care in a nursing facility. Do you think
1: that's wrong for somebody to make that choice? Of course not. My, the touchstone for me is what is best for her. When there comes a time, either because of my health or hers, that someone else can care for her better than I, then painful as it will be to be separated because you know her her loving presence is there all day every day and i would miss that but that's that's the touchstone what would love do in this case for example if the if the roles were reversed muriel couldn't lift me mm-hmm. she couldn't put me in a wheelchair she'd hang on as long as she could but uh roles are different came at a time in life when i could do it mm-hmm. so no it's not in fact this is just a story i'm not pushing an agenda i'm not setting an example i mean you can kind of pick and choose and try to make something of it but i'm just telling a story and that's the way of uh joy for us
2: yeah i, I think that's healthy uh, for you to say you don't have an agenda here because bob i, I think we have a generation of um men and women who are a part of the baby boom generation who are watching their parents age and they do wonder what is god's will here how can i best care for my mother my father and mm-hmm. in fact i'm asking that question myself my mom is uh, 87 years of age still able to live uh, in her home uh primarily because my my brother lives near her um I think that's a good standard you've given us, the standard of what is best for the object of the love.
1: Well, Dennis, you bring in the parental thing. I've told Marty, who's my eldest daughter and who stays with Muriel when I have to leave town. I said, Marty, now, I do not want you to rearrange your life to care for your mother if I die before she does. I've got it fixed so you can... Put her in a care institution. She said, I'm not going to do it. God put me here to take care of her. And I said, Marty, I really want all of the children to go on with their life, and Mom won't know anything. So just. She said, Well, Dad, when you're dead, you won't have any say, will you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is a chip off the old block, isn't she? The oak did not fall far from the tree in that <laughs> yeah, that's case. That's
2: exactly right. Yeah. Uh,
0: but let's go back to the. Uh, when you
2: first found out. Um, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. If if someone could have sat down with you at that point and told you three or four
1: things, just... A couple of things.
2: Yeah. What would you say to that person who cu- today is maybe
1: facing this brand new? This is what I say to people who, of course, everywhere I go, people tell me their stories. And if they ask me for my opinion, I'd say, well, the first thing is to realize that no two experiences are the same. Mm-hmm. The time of onset the length of time the rate of downward progression the functions that are lost all are different about the only thing that's the same is uh memory loss but from then on it's unpredictable i tried early on to read what my doctor gave me of the medical papers on this and uh tried to plot my life accordingly, how long she was going to live, what was going to happen next and so forth, none of it panned out that way. It was all different. So don't build your plans and expectancies on this happening like someone else. Uh, You just have to learn as you go along. The second thing I tell people, and this is so critical, Dennis, it's your expectancies that will ruin you and her And your relationship. In other words, she's losing function, right? Right. But if you always lag a month or six months behind in what you're pushing on her, what you're trying to get her to do and so forth, it's dreadful. I remember one time when Marty said, Dad, you're not holding Mom to it. She could remember if she tried. And I said, Honey, she can't. And when Marty came to that position where she recognized that Muriel can't, that she wants to, but she can't. She came to such peace and overflowing love in that relationship. So, uh, expectancies. This has destroyed many... Re- and it will destroy your own peace. Now, yeah. L- Let me read a verse here that came to my mind while you
2: were talking. Romans 15. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Amen. (laughs) And you think about what he's saying, Bob. Mm -hmm. It's no different in a new marriage. There there are couples who start out who don't have the, the capability. They can't. They are unable. And what he has come to is he's come to the point of embracing Muriel's limitations, her weaknesses, and you're strong.
0: Be strong in faith and hold them. Yeah. You said on an earlier broadcast that you made the decision when you received the diagnosis not to pursue experimental procedures, protocols, vitamins, trips to Mexico, getting rid of the aluminum in the house, all of the things you'd read about or heard about. Why not? Why not see if there's maybe something out there that could prolong the interaction.
1: I think it's an individual choice. I have friends with other illnesses as well who have spent the last years of their life, which they should have been savoring, running here, traveling there, getting hopes up on this, getting hopes up on that, make cancer, whatever. And in the end, wasn't any different from others and that's where I'm coming from other people have other backgrounds where they're coming from but for me that's where I'm coming from and I'm saying I just don't have to spend the rest of my life tracking down everything so the medical people in my world I said I'll just go along with what they have to say
0: you know you haven't you haven't had to face what some people have to face with a prolonged illness where there are Respirators, or where there are feeding tubes or where there's care that uh, goes beyond what you're able to provide today for Muriel. If that day
1: were to come, do you know what you'd do? Oh, yes. Uh, Muriel and I agreed many decades ago that when we come to that last descent to the grave and God is calling us home, We pledged to one another that we would not use what is called heroic means. Mm -hmm. She's on no code as far as the hospital is concerned, Uh, no resuscitation, Mm -hmm. no artificial means to sustain life. So, yes, but it might not come in that kind of a package. I was uh, interviewing a talk show host on the West Coast. It's supposed to be about another book on ethics, which I had written, and uh, but he just read an article in Christianity today telling part of my story, and that's what he wanted to talk about. So all of a sudden he said, "Open line. I didn't know it was an open line show <laughs> <laughs> And this lady came on, and pretty aggressively she says, "Why don't you let her go?" And I said, uh, "What do you mean? Let her go?" And he, she said, "Well, do you feed her?" And I said, "Yes." She says, well, why don't you quit? She'd be a lot better off with Jesus. So I'd never do that, would I? I don't know. I wouldn't do it just like that. But several years ago, I read that the next stage for Muriel will be that she forgets how to swallow. And we'll have to put a stomach peg in. Well... Uh, I asked my doctor, who loves us dearly, his personal friend, and he said, Well, of course you'd put in a stomach peg. That is to feed, put food directly into her stomach. He says, Simple procedure, no problem. Well, I had this real pagan medical professor who lived down the street from us, and I thought he might have a different slant, so I asked him, and he said, Well, of course you'd put it in. Hmm. So here I am wrestling with it. What will I do in the next stage? Well, is that part of heroics? It's not very heroic. Five minute outpatient. Uh, uh, operation and so what do I do well I have a theologian nephew internationally known he came to see me and right in the middle of the conversation about some theological issue he said Robertson Uncle Robertson you should not put a peg in Muriel and he was speaking from a theological point of view you shouldn't do that he said why don't you call Bob which was his brother who's a very skilled surgeon the distant state so I emailed Bob and the answer came back immediately of course you should put in a peg <laughs> but then he came to visit a few weeks later and he'd been talking with his wife and she said that would be terrible to put in a peg if God's calling her let her go be with Jesus so what it boils down to Dennis Bob is that the decision is not the theologians and it's not the medical professionals. It's my decision. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. But when I do, it's a dilemma. I don't know the answer. Knowing me, I just may put in the peg. But what I'm saying is God has provided the wisdom for each choice until now, and I'm just going to trust him to guide me at that time. Hmm.
0: Folks who are regular caregivers to Alzheimer's patients are encouraged to have time out of the house once a week, twice a week, when somebody else watches your wife in this case, and you just get away to clear your head and take a walk. Do you do that? Well, you see,
1: once again, I don't. if I answer the question truthfully— Somebody might take it as a model, and it's not a model. But uh, I've never felt the need of that. Hmm. In fact, when I'm away, I have a longing to be back with her, if anything, as much, if not more, than what it used to be in the olden days. I just like to be there with her. I want to get back to her. However, I'm no judge at it because when I step down, I expect to be a full-time homemaker nothing else. But she changed enough and my circumstances changed enough so that I could keep my speaking engagements for two or three years in advance. Didn't have to cancel any of them, which I thought was going to cancel them all, because my sister first and now my daughter come and stay when I travel. So I can't judge. I am away quite often Mm -hmm. for – No more than three days usually, two or three days, and that is a break. So if I say I don't need a break, well, wait a minute, how do I know? You get breaks from time to time. One of the things
2: uh, our listeners don't get a chance to see is the facial expression on our guests. And uh, on uh, one of the earlier days on the broadcast this week, we called home Mm -hmm. uh, while Marty, his daughter, is taking care of Muriel. And I just wish our listeners, Bob, could have seen Robertson's face. When Marty answered the phone, the first question that Robertson asked, and he asked it and leaned forward in the microphone, and there was – there was, I, I can't even explain it, but it was a glow. It was an expectancy. But he asked this question, has she smiled today? And you could tell he had missed that smile. That's true, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's important to you even now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because it happens when our eyes connect. Usually it's vacant, but once in a while we connect, and she really is looking at you. And if she, after she starts looking at you, she smiles. That's great. And you put the flag out on the front
2: porch to let your neighbors know right. that she smiled today. That's the way it is. <laughs> it doesn't fly as much as it used to. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do when there's no
1: flag to fly? Hmm. I'll just have to trust the Lord for that day. And it is much less now than it was. But as long as he was, I I have asked on occasion, Lord, let me keep her a little longer. I really want her.
2: Yeah, in fact, I want to read something to our listeners. This is the... Well, it's the, the last page in the book that uh, he's written it's entitled My Precious well you know what I'd rather you read it I think you wrote it I think you might be able to read it a little more effectively than how I would read it Robertson so
1: uh, page 85 share it with our listeners 22 summers ago Muriel and I began our journey into the twilight it's midnight now at least for her Sometimes I wonder when dawn will break. Even the dread Alzheimer's disease isn't supposed to attack so early and torment so long. Yet, in her silent world, Muriel is so content, so lovable. I sometimes pray, Please, Lord, could you let me keep her a little longer? If Jesus took her home, how I would miss her gentle, sweet presence. Oh, yes, there are times when I get irritated, but not often. It doesn't make sense. Besides, I love to care for her. She's my precious.
2: You know, Robertson, as you're reading that, I was thinking, that's a much better picture of love than anything Hollywood ever created. Ever. That's love right there. Loving someone who really is incapable of loving you back. But you've loved her with the love that God has loved you. And you've cared for her. And you can tell. It's the real deal. And uh, I just want to thank you again. I've thanked you uh, almost every day here on the broadcast. But I want to thank you again for making the journey over here. You had to, had to travel to get over here and, and to share your story and uh, Muriel's. But thanks for being a great lover of your wife and for being a covenant keeper. And I want to make a promise to you. As long as God enables us, we're going to tell your story at our family life conferences and here on the broadcast.
1: Thank you, Dennis. You have a wonderful gift of affirmation, even if it sometimes borders on, what shall I say, (laughs) exaggeration. (laughs) But I appreciate your affirmation and the honor of being with you on this great program.
0: You can't listen back to that without, uh, once again, thinking, here's here's a guy we mm-hmm. can all learn from, can't oh, we? yeah, yeah.
2: And need to learn from. I mean, some of us have gotten angry with our spouses over the most trivial issues and things. And here's a man who comes alongside and said, "Would you got kind of to get your head up. Would you realize the privilege you have? To care for another human being for a lifetime, and I just was listening to him. You know, he he began there at the end, saying, "You know, twenty two summers ago, Muriel and I began our journey toward twilight, and it's now midnight for her." He cared for her all the way to the end, and um, we need love stories like this. And and Bob. I just want to say thank you to listeners who support our broadcast because when they give, that's what they're making possible. Mm-hmm. And in a very real way, in a culture that doesn't promote selfless love, that doesn't promote lifelong commitment and covenant keeping love, I think it's the right thing. It is so right. It is so wholesome, so good, and so needed. In this generation, we need to be reminded that love is a covenant. And I, I think I just want to encourage our listeners, when you when you go home tonight or even if you are home, just um, maybe turn off the TV and just go sit on the couch together and just say, you know what, I'm going to tell you I love you again. And if I had it to do all over again, I would. I'd marry you all over again, Mm -hmm. 1,000 times out of 1,000.
0: And then you can follow it up by saying, and and I was thinking maybe we ought to go this fall to one of those Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage conferences. That's a great idea, Bob. Get a weekend away together, just the two of us, and uh, focus on our marriage and, and on each other. We're hosting these conferences in cities all across the country this fall. In fact, there's probably a conference in driving distance For most of our listeners, you can find out all the information on the website, familylife.com. Find when the conference is coming to a city near where you live. Mark that date out on your calendar and go ahead and get registered now. Some of these conferences fill up and and sell out in advance. So make your reservations, make your plans. You can register online or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY. We'll answer any questions you have, and we can get you registered right over the phone. 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. That's the phone number, or go online at familylife.com. And if you're interested in getting a copy of the book Dr. McQuilkin wrote called A Promise Kept, you can order that from our website as well, or you can order it when you call 1-800-FL today. Now, tomorrow, we want to invite you back as we begin a conversation on youth ministry with uh, the director of student ministries from a church in North Carolina. Steve Wright is making changes in how he does youth ministry, and he thinks changes need to be made. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Hope you can be with us. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.